0: To the Unbreakable Me podcast, where Rock Bottom has built more heroes than Privilege ever could. On today's episode, we are going to be talking to Ash again. We are telling part two of her story. Now, I do want to stress first before we continue into this episode that like part one, this episode does discuss things such as child abuse, neglect, um, child protective services self-harm and other traumatic events. So please, if these are topics that are triggering to you, this may not be the story or the episodes that are suited to you. Now, Having said that, at the end of last episode, we heard about how Ash and her siblings had been taken from their mum and dad by Child Protective Services and had been placed into the care of a lovely woman by the name of Christine in Gundawindi. They had been through the process of having their mother and father charged through uh, the Child Protective Services and the courts. However, learnt the fate that their mother was able to get off with no charges due to having pled insanity and dad was only given a year. Now, those types of sentences, in my opinion, definitely were not harsh enough, Um, but it is probably not my place to say. That is my personal opinion. Um, However, (laughs) what I want to do is I want to take Ash back today a little bit to those moments. So, Ash, how are you today and how are you feeling after our first episode? Good.
1: Feeling the same as normal, really. The first time was a little bit weird. Um, it was a bit rough, but that's okay. You get that with the process.
0: <laughs> um, but I and that. Good. I just want to actually yeah, I just want to tell everyone as well that the reason why after after we got off our first episode, me and Ash, uh, we discussed like the whole, uh, the, the first episode, and I discovered something that I really didn't think about prior to this episode uh, or to this conversation was the reason why Ash gets really nervous in front of cameras um, and in front of like recordings and things. And it is from having had to experience so many interviews with, therapists and court proceedings and child protection services, things that had to be recorded for mum and dad to be charged. So um, for anyone that is watching and does notice that Ash looks a little bit uncomfortable, there is a reason for that. Um, but we are supporting her through this journey. Now, um, Ash, I'm would like I said, I'd <laughs> like to take you back just for a moment. And I'd just like to know or I'd just like to get a little bit of clarity on, on one thing before we move forward. And that was, did you and your siblings actually have to testify in a court of law or were you guys able to stay like outside of those proceedings somewhat? Uh,
1: No. So all our testimonials were given via recording or via people that would come into the meetings that were had. So we actually travelled from Ghani to Toowoomba a lot, Um, a lot of appointments, a lot of therapy appointments, and, yeah, everything was recorded, has to be recorded. It's a really really big process um which is good they go that in depth with it um because it does work not all the time but most of the time it works and yeah so we never actually had to be in the courtroom which was really good um really really good I don't think I would have done that um but yeah basically a lot of backwards and forwards and it took a really really long time it started I think Think I'm assuming as soon as we were placed in the care, and it took till I was about pretty sure I was like 15 or something like that when it was finally done and they were finally charged. Well, one of them was wow. charged, but yeah.
0: <laughs> and did you did you have contact with your mom and dad in that period, or was that that was that highly restricted due to the due to the um well not the not the allegations, but due to the yeah. proceedings.
1: Uh, So we, I had actually cut contact with them, I think, my last visit when I was about 14. We'd had a few visits. There was only a couple. I think there was about three. Um, And at one of the last ones, I pretty much just cracked it and said, yeah, no, look, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, One of my little brothers also cracked it, um, but the youngest one was too young to understand, um, which is understandable. He was like six when we were fostered, so still very little. Um, but yeah, I cracked it and I put a yeah. stop to visits and
0: stopped all communication That's that way because I was just done. Yeah. <laughs> you're able to shut that, you're ready to sort of somewhat shut that door and just say, I'm done with this. And that was the last time you spoke to them, like it, like in your childhood.
1: Um, over the years I did send quite a few messages obviously I was a very angry angsty little human being who wanted answers and I didn't yes. only want answers for me I wanted answers for my little brothers as well. Um, you know which yeah. everyone wants answers sometimes we don't find them unfortunately I didn't end up getting them which is okay. Um, it wasn't for a long time I held on to that for a very long time I was very very angry. Yeah. Um, and I just not try not to answer to your questions <laughs> basically yeah it wasn't Do you think that's not so much part? why as I... yes <laughs> i definitely think it's the hardest part because i just not so much for my benefit it was never for my benefit like i'm big enough strong enough tough enough whatever that's fine but we're talking about very small small children i was nearly a teenager i'm not very big um but i was nearly a teenager they were little kids <laughs> like yeah. they yeah. were very little I wanted answers for them and if you were gonna do yeah. what they did to someone why have so many kids like there were all the questions I wanted answered like well, why have a family to spin around and do this
0: yeah well it's that's just exactly weird. right and <laughs> I guess there's that. those are questions that you'll never get the answers to because you're asking those questions to people that don't think like you and I their brains Work no. differently, whether it be from a chemical compound or a mental illness or trauma in their childhood or whatever it was, their brains yeah. aren't; they don't function like the normal mums and dads of the world. Um, no. I just want to quickly say as well before we continue: if at some stages me and Ash um, speak over each other, it's not that either of us are being rude. We have a slight delay on our connection, um, so I just wanted to quickly state that in case um, it does sound like sometimes we're talking over each other. Um, it is not intentional that either of us is doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get past that, Hayden. I wasn't going to think we were being rude bitches, like just like talking over to each other. Sorry. So, okay. So let's fast forward a little bit, hey. Now I want to know yeah. as well, Ash, during that, um, during that time of child protective services, I think we did touch this on this a little bit maybe in Episode 1, but were you and your mm-hmm. siblings able to stay together for all of your um, your time in foster care? So, unfortunately, for the entirety
1: of our time in foster care, no. So I was able to stay, uh, me and the boys were kept together, I think, for about two to three years. Um and something occurred. Yep. I never really kind of knew what it was. I kind of have a rough idea what it was, but nothing concrete. You know, let's just let bygones be bygones in that aspect. Um, but and yet, fortunately, they were moved. Yep. So the, I was left in Gunderwindi and they were moved to Ipswich. Yep. And my brothers ended up in group homes, oh. which is very rough, oh. um, incredibly rough. So my experience yeah. and their experience is very different. And their experience is a lot worse than mine. And also factoring in the fact that they were very young. Like we're talking little people. We're not talking big people. We're talking kids.
0: Now, when you say group homes, is that just like?
1: So basically it's a foster home, but not as in like you go to someone's house and they're like, oh, you all live here and it's all fine and dandy and she's all great. It's basically a house where it's you yeah. and other foster children all grouped into one home. Um, it depends on the circumstances of yeah. the way in there. Sometimes it's because there's not enough foster carers, there's not, a, there's not enough homes available, emergency placements, like there's a bunch of different reasons. Um, but, yeah, so yeah. they have a rotational shift of either youth workers or docs workers, and they basically come in and out. Oh, so you don't actually yeah. have one person. That can they're like
0: carers. Yeah.
1: So they're yes. like a supervisor yeah, in- almost, like a, yeah, okay. Basically, yes. You're very much right. left to your own devices. So you- um, my brothers definitely got the short end of the stick in that aspect, and I will say that for the rest of my life because they really did. They definitely did.
0: Yeah. Well, and how are they doing now, your brothers?
1: They're good. They're doing the best they can with um with everything and with their lives. We're all quite similar, um, especially the three of us that are still as close as what we are. I wish nothing ill to the others that we don't speak to. That's just they made their choices, we made ours, and that's okay. Um but they're good. We're doing the best that we can. We all have our own little lives, but we all still you know, share that really fucked up traumatic bond. (laughs)
0: But there's no other way of explaining it really. But they all made it out. They've They've all yeah. they've all made it out the other side and they've all you know whether they're yeah. strong or whether they've got their struggles they're they're still here today yeah. it didn't completely break them um no just really no not hear. at all um but I did that's one part I didn't, I didn't know about your story Ash, was that the boys I knew that you were separated by at, during foster care, yeah. but I didn't actually know uh, that the boys went to group homes did they all go to the one group home at least or were they kept together no No, so for a short amount of time, they were kept together, so all three of them,
1: and then they were separated into other foster homes. So it just gradually got worse for them. Um, I was pretty much left to my own devices in my original foster home, which was good. I got to complete uh, my foster care experience up until halfway through grade 11, and then I was moved to another foster home in Warwick, Um, but we'll get to that in a bit. Mm -hmm. But they were moved around a lot. And I mean a lot. Um, one of my brothers, and was there any reason for that, Ash? Uh, so it sometimes comes down to um, one of my brothers, unfortunately, is a very hyperactive little human being, which is understandable. Um, so That's I true. guess it's more of a yeah. they didn't want him in that home anymore, so he was put in another one. Um, no fault of his own, like literally absolutely no fault of his yeah. own. He just needed someone to give a little bit more care than what they did um yeah and my youngest brother he was in a group home until he was 17 and unfortunately the people running that group home said basically we don't want to renew the lease to this building or whatever it was um and yes. you've got to move out so at seven, 17 years old he had to move out on his own and without a mum and dad to call you have no one
0: isn't that – don't so, you yeah. have somewhat of a duty of a care? Like, aren't, aren't, they, isn't, aren't you considered a ward of the state until you turn 18? Are they even allowed to do that?
1: No, they're not. They're not allowed to do it. It's something that is definitely not supposed to happen. Thankfully, now foster care and everything in regards to it has gotten a lot stricter. Um, everything has changed, thank God, but it takes experiences like my brother's and my own to see that change, which is horrible because it shouldn't be a thing. Fucking hell, I not know is, that, unfortunately. man.
0: unfortunately. Yeah. So they're really, like, so <laughs> it was great. And that's. I think that's the problem with, with, like, and I know it's not 100% the system's fault. I know sometimes there's not, you know, there's not enough foster care. It? I don't know, like, you know, for the most part, hopefully they're all doing the yeah. best they can. You know, I'm sure there's some that care more than others. But yeah, it just sucks that you have, like, you guys did nothing wrong. There's five of you, like. You know, like, even like you said, if if your mom and dad didn't want five kids, why'd they have five kids? You know, if there'd just been two of you, you know, maybe you could have, you know, been moved around a lot easier. But, like, to have not only separated you from them, but then separate them from each other and, like, and you just sort of think, like, you're making this yeah. trauma worse and worse and worse. And I know they're probably doing the best they can, but it's just like, fuck, there's got to be a better yeah. way sometimes. Like, why? Like, why? Like, oh, it yeah. really, it, it grinds, it's so... It's just yeah, shit. It makes me That's, very be, that's all I, I've got. No it other words. It's just like there's like the the, <laughs> the steam's coming out my ears if these headphones weren't on, you know. <laughs> all
1: it's right. Let, yeah, let's let's, to some,
0: let's, yeah. <laughs> let's get on some. Let's some brighter stuff, hey? Just for a moment. So, um, tell me, you mentioned okay. that you moved to Warwick. You had a second foster carer h- halfway through grade eleven, I think you just said. Um, and this lovely yep. woman I know is known by the name of. V. Don't know why she's named V, but I'm guessing you're going to tell me. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about V and how you ended up with her, and how she changed the game a little bit for you.
1: Um. So I was 17. I was in grade 11 at Gundy High School. I was a little bit naughty and (laughs) was walking around Gundy (laughs) with a bottle of vodka, really, of my jumper. (laughs) Yeah. Um. (laughs) <laughs> which turns out is a big no-no when you're a ward of the state. Um, didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm, definitely, definitely learned the lesson the hard way. Because they can just take you and move you somewhere else, which was news to me. Um, oh, <laughs> No, I already wow. knew that. but I couldn't. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they're like, hey, dumb, don't do that. Come on, let's go. Um, so, yeah, I was halfway through grade 11 and basically yeah. – um, There was other circumstances that are, you know, background and completely off-topic, so we won't get into those. Um, But, yeah, Mm. going to school, messed up a little bit. Nothing too drastic. Like, I never really did anything too hectic, other than a bunch of really stupid shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just normal stuff, really. And, yeah, got caught with alcohol in my hoodie. There was a few other things that factored into it as well. Um, And, yeah, got shipped off to Warwick, And basically when you get put in another Mm -hmm. home, they have to like call that person. You literally have a case file, a case file number, they have to say yes or no to you. Like it's basically, Hey, here's this delinquent that we have. Would you like to house this delinquent (laughs) for us until she's of age?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you want the problem child with the alcohol in her hoodie? (laughs) And she said yes. And she still said yes, which was
1: shocking to me. So originally, what happened, and I do completely understand, <laughs> completely, because by this time I was full blown, just an absolute dick of a human being. Um, which is fine. I'm allowed to be yep. occasionally. It's all right. It's a part. Of, it's a part of the process. It's fine. Um, it is. So yeah, I was a bit of a knob. You're gonna ride those way. And I was seventeen, and yeah. So basically, they asked her. Originally, she said no. Uh, Totally understandable. I fully Mm. get it. She, at the time, had a bunch of other kids at her house as well and her own children as well. Um, So, you know, adding a Mm -hmm. psycho 17-year-old into that mix would not have been appetizing at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, but in the end, she did say yes. Um, So I got there and, yeah, she was just straight off the bat this really amazing human being. And I'd gone from having the environment that I had at Christine's, which don't get me wrong, was bloody brilliant. Um I was very lucky in that aspect, whereas a lot of my family weren't. So I do have a lot of appreciation and respect for that. But the game definitely changed when I went to Vs. Like a hundred ten percent changed. It was insane. And it was I was like... oh, it sort of went up and down. I was a very argumentative um child really <laughs> that's a nice way of saying don't it. say there's a bigger word for it <laughs> we'll have to
0: censor that
1: word it's a naughty word um, I was, <laughs> so I was a, was a very argumentative child it was basically my way or the highway which was terrible um I definitely look back on it now and I think holy crap like I'm glad people just had enough patience because I would have sent yeah. them up the wall like I'm 80% sure I did at some parts which it's okay um, none of it was really our fault. And they were just, unfortunately, the
0: people that had to deal with it. So we just had to have a small intermission there. So if the audio sounds like it just got tied together, it did. Um, so just so that everyone is aware, the reason that that just happened is that Ash also has a son with type 1 diabetes and she just received a call that needed attending to. Um, Ash, would you like to explain to everyone what just happened? <laughs> uh, it's break-up day at school.
1: Um, I sent both my kids to school <laughs> with platters and we needed the carb value of the the food that he had to eat. So, you know, just a
0: standard <laughs> morning for me, really. Just calculating carbohydrates for your son so he doesn't die. Um, but, yeah, at, that's cool. at the, at the last day food. Now, that's where are we up to? Essentially, okay, yes. So, V. Yeah. We were at V. Okay. So, yes. um, so the game changed yeah. a little bit when you got to her. Um and she eventually took him yeah. into the home. Um. Now, what was something that stood out yes. for you in your time with them?
1: Um. I think the thing that most stood out is she a hundred and ten percent let me be myself, but she definitely didn't take my shit, which was Ooh, good. Would like Chrissy never allowed it. She definitely never allowed it. Um, Christine didn't. Like, she was pretty old school, which was awesome. Um, But she's got, you know, V is a lot younger than Christine. And she also had teenage daughters of her own that were attending high school and stuff and kids of her own, um, you know, that were mixed in to having, you know, a bunch of foster kids in your house, which could not have been easy for her own family or anyone's family, really. I would think it was very rough. Uh, but, yeah, she definitely didn't yep. take my shit at all. Um, and her husband, which we're also going to call V, because his name also starts with a V. Um, <laughs>
0: okay, so a V and V.
1: Um, me and him got along like a house on fire. Uh, we did a lot of arguing, like a lot of okay. arguing. I rode a donkey there once, yep. and I fell off, and I stabbed my glass into my head, and I got a little scar on my face. That was pretty cool. Um Nice. It was just different to what I'd done because I was with Christine for a very long time and then to only be with someone for a brief amount of time, uh, it was it was different. It was wild, but, like, good. Yeah. It was good. I think it's what I needed at that stage where I was at, like, trying to finish school and trying to, you know, get on my feet so that I could help in any way, shape, or form because my brothers we were still currently in foster care at this point, you know, help be there for them as much as I could. And, um, yeah, yeah, definitely didn't harm me in any way shape or <laughs> well
0: that's good now in warwick is that where you met mr ash so ash has a partner called no. ash so is that where we met mr ash no
1: when did so you what makes this story even more interesting and Oh. and probably ridiculous, is back. we actually dated in high school yeah. um, and we only broke up because I got moved to Warwick, but the issue was I couldn't tell him that I was being moved to Warwick.
0: So he thought oh, I just got like, no! So <laughs> you just did the split, like, see uh, see if I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's no. like, I didn't actually
1: know, and then someone told me.
0: Yeah. It was
1: basically the teachers and stuff were like, "No, she came and got her art book and stuff." And then he was like, "Oh, she got moved, right?" Oh, um, so yeah. So we actually him. met in like high school or... and dated <laughs> in high school. Wow! I so you could have contacted him once you knew. So did I didn't move? actually have a cell phone. Um, I couldn't. Wow. I didn't have a phone, and I never. I kind of went with the flow, so I never really kept a log of anyone's numbers other than my siblings' numbers.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Definitely so, couldn't, so couldn't do that. You said you had to memorize Ash's much. number. <laughs> and you're – so did you – when did you guys no. reconnect? No. Uh,
1: so I kind of did my thing after graduating high school and obviously leaving foster care um, for a little while. I came back to Gundy. I can't even tell you when. I think I moved around a bunch of places because I was like, no, I'm 18. I'm going to go on an adventure. Um, which I did for a little bit, yeah. dated a few people, worked on a farm for a bit, um, you know, drank a lot, which was cool at the time, not so mm-hmm. much anymore because I'm old as hell and I can't do hangovers like I used to. Hang hangovers um, is way too much now. I do. I just can't do it. Yeah. It's overrated. No. I'll I'll take a nap. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we, I had not long separated from a previous partner, and I had moved into town, into Gundy, with one of my mates and started living with her because obviously nowhere else to go. No parents. Yeah. Um. So you quite literally have nowhere else to go, which can make it incredibly difficult, but you figure it out. Mm. Like, I promise it's something you can and will figure out. Um. And then, yeah. yeah, he, I remember I was down the mainy one day and I was near the co-op. And I used yep. to, oh, I mean, I can't say I used to because I still wear whatever the hell I want um, whenever I want. And I had on this like mm. rainbow top thing and at the time he had a black hole mute and he kind of fanged it past me. And we both looked at each other and I was like, oh, and he said when we started talking that he knew that it was me too. Um, Neither has yeah. said anything for a little bit, but then he reckons mm. that he started chasing me pretty much straight away, which regardless of the fact of <laughs> how small Gundy is, apparently I'm very hard to I was very hard to find apparently. <laughs> I don't know how. But yeah. So yeah, then we reconnected. Um I went to the movies with a mate and he mm-hmm. sent me a text message and was just like, Hey, what are you doing?
0: And yet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it went from there. And now oh, if we yeah. fast forward yeah. we'll fast forward to tie in yeah. little Mr. Harlequin um harlequin being your type 1 diabetic son um fast forward 2012 he was born along came this little person of your own and what i want to know is before you even get to type 1 diabetes what was that like for you after having been through everything you went through what was it like all of a sudden to have this little human that you had to take care of like did it feel really foreign or was it very natural because you pretty much raised your brother and sister brothers and sisters or did you go into like almost like a fear moment where it's like fuck what if I turn out like them what if like something in me strikes up and all of a sudden I become them you know like was there anything like that that come up with that first like with your first child with Harley uh, so I had Meso first,
1: which is all right. He's 11. Um, I had him first <laughs> and I had him. In- no, you're right. You're totally fine. I had him in 2012. Um, and he's just yep. the most, he's the most beautiful little human probably on the planet. Um, just ever. Like, I don't know how I got so lucky with that kid. He's just, he is. He's, he's really cool. Um, but when I first had him. And when I was first pregnant, so prior to having Mason, I unfortunately had a miscarriage. I had a lot of stuff going on in the background. And unfortunately, it does happen. It's more common than people think. Um, mm-hmm. And I had had that happen. I was like, well, you know, I was kind of in the stage of wanting a family like me. And Ashley was sort of not newly dating, but we'd been together for a little while. Um, yep. And I think it was about two, three years or something. That we've been doing our thing and, yeah, we were kind of in the midst of wanting to start a family, had that happen and then found out I was pregnant. The pregnancy stuck, which was awesome but really fucking scary at the same time because yeah. I was like, holy hell, like it's one thing to want a baby but it's another thing to have a baby have and one. raise a baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. So,
0: and now I was like, well,
1: fuck, now I've got to pop, now got to pop out a baby. Um, <laughs> so, you know, months went on, I got bigger. Um. If I turn, if I was looking face on, you couldn't tell. But if I turned sideways, holy crap, I was huge. Like he was, he was a big boy. I can boy. imagine that because you're like uh-huh. this <laughs> big. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember ball. being pregnant with him, and I don't know. It was a mixture. Of, it was a mixture of everything. Like I was, I always had that fear of I just no matter what I can't be them. Like no matter what, I'm never yeah ever, no matter what it takes, no matter what i got to do, you know, whatever's required, I will never be who I came from. And to get over that as a yep. mum, it was really, really hard because it's a constant fear like you grow up in an environment like that and that is the first thing you think of as a teenager or as a kid is holy fuck, I'm going to be them. And it's horrible. It is fucking horrible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, um And I mean, you weren't going to be them. but.
1: No, so yeah. I had him and he came out at eight pound, I think five, and he was kind of just like this big yeah. wiggle, and then he was out. And, yeah, I remember just <laughs> holding him for the first time and being like, holy hell, like I have
0: this beautiful tiny little baby. Um, oh, wow. And,
1: yeah, he had this way this little angel face still does, even when he's being shaky to me, which, is, you know, that's normal. Um, He is my yeah. child, so I'm not that shocked. Um, but yeah, I just remember being scared, but so happy all at the same time. Like thinking, holy shit, like, yep, all right, Captain, now it's real. Like you can't do nothing now. Um, and yeah, for the first little bit, it was scary. Like I always will have that doubt, like, am I doing the right thing? And, you know, am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Like I'm always stuck in that, trying to find that
0: balance, like all the time, Yeah, which is, frustrating but necessary well you definitely considering where you've come from ash and i've seen how you run your household and how how (laughs) well behaved and well-mannered and impeccable your children always look like you are definitely you have from where you've come (laughs) from to be able to to literally do the opposite with your children like most unfortunately you see a lot of like history repeats itself because of the trauma you know because of the psychological trauma you have just come like Leave some fucking bounds completely. Um. Now, yep. so apologies for the Mason Harlequin uh fuck up before, but then That's in 2014, <laughs> Harley was born. I got all excited to talk about Harley because we just had like this little <laughs> mini break because hu- that Harley had caused yeah <laughs> with whatever he was eating, probably some sort of chocolate biscuit and his carbs. Um. So I got a excited to talk about Harley, but my apologies. 2014, Harley was born and we're okay. doing it all again. Yes. So explain what happened there. Yes. Yeah, because so, uh, from what I remember, Harley wasn't born with type 1 diabetes, was he?
1: No. So Meso was, I want to say, two and a bit, nearly three, because I think there's about a two year age gap there. I'm terrible with ages and mass and all of that. Like, it's just gone. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, is he
0: was
1: like, smart, toddler. Is yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, he was basically a toddler. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you know, it's really funny. We should have another one. Like, this seems like a really logical idea. Um And in the space of myself and Ashley actually having Harley and Mason, there was a few... You know just background things that happen nothing too hectic but um you know just life me and ash had some things as any young parents do keep in mind we were 21 when we had meso um so still yeah. quite young but not young none obviously old enough to know better yeah. <laughs> and to want to do better i guess um but yeah there was a lot of background things we had just gotten back together. We separated for a very short amount of time and thankfully that did not stay yeah. permanent because I genuinely don't know what I would do without him, even if he drives me insane mm-hmm. sometimes. But I drive him insane too, so <laughs> it's fine. Um, and then, yeah, we were Perhaps. like, okay, like things, things are actually really good um, and they're working out, so we should have another one. And I was like, yeah, righto, mm-hmm. let's do that. So <laughs> again, got super huge. Um, Waddled around Gundy for, you know, nine months, did what I had to do. And then, again, yeah. the same fear. And even though I already had a child, like, at this point, I already had a toddler. And I was like, we already know what we're doing. Like, we've got yeah. this. Um, yeah. But it's still so scary, so bloody scary because there's so yeah. many things that just constantly tick over in your brain. Like, when you go yeah. through stuff like I did and my family did, it just mm-hmm. never stops. Um, unfortunately yeah. is a very constant reminder of that. So yeah, I had Harl's. He was huge too, had a really, really ginormous head. Like very large. <laughs> um, it's all brains. That's what I tell my kids. They had big heads because they had big brains. Um, <laughs> I like so that. yeah, had him. Um, he came came out looking like the world's prettiest giant potato. Like a really beautiful oh. potato. Basically. It's the only <laughs> way I can explain it. Maiso was definitely the little, the little angel with the little tiny angel head, and Harley was the littler angel yeah. with the potato head. We still love him; he's still adorable. Um, <laughs> <I
0: love it. laughs>
1: so yeah, oh, the same emotions again. Same thing again. Kind of just got into the motion and doing what we had to do, and being the best parents we could be, and you know, just doing what we had to to give these little people that we willingly chose to bring into the world. Um, The best chance we could, regardless of our circumstances or things we had been through, you know, basically the moment of nut up or shut up, essentially, (laughs) was in full motion. Yep. Um, And then Harley was 16 months old. He got sick. Uh, I took him to the doctors here. No one really knew why, could tell me why. I couldn't get him into the doctors for a week, unfortunately. Got him to the medical center Mm -hmm. and the doctor looked at me and said, Ash, take him out to the hospital. And I went, oh fuck. Um, and mentally, it was very, like a really hard time. Like my entire world kind of just fell to pieces because I'm like, how can I have, you know, everything going so well and have this beautiful little family and we're doing all the right shit and now we don't know what's happening. Like it was, it was a very horrible time. Yeah. Um, thankfully, we did get through it and have yeah. to get through it, but unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately, because he's still a mad rouge of a kid. Um, honestly, if you didn't know he was diabetic, you wouldn't know at all.
0: No, um, you definitely wouldn't. He lives a very, like, just... very active life. Like...
1: <laughs> they're very, um, yeah, they're very just rougies of children, really. Like, I kind of hit the jackpot <laughs> with those two, because they just go with the flow, which is awesome. It makes me feel like I've done something good. I'm like, yes, the small wins, guys, even if they um pick on me sometimes, but that's fine. <laughs> it's allowed. <laughs>
0: it's
1: just that yeah, they said um <laughs> They said yeah, he's got type one. So we were flown out to Brisbane. I remember this nurse at the hospital and it will stick with me forever. Um because obviously she could see that I was just, you know, kind of zoned out, sitting there watching all this stuff happen with my child. Meanwhile having to worry in the background about Mason because he was with Ashley um ashley's freaking out i'm freaking out basically everyone's freaking out and yeah. um yeah i had this nurse for me aside and she's like i'm gonna level with you and i was like "Radio." um and she goes unfortunately sweetie he's got type one there is no cure you will be okay you can do it he can do it you'll be right and i was like okay and then i got on a helicopter with harley got flown out to brisbane yep. We spent a couple of weeks in the ICU. Um, I learned how to carve <laughs> down, which I'm terrible at maths, like so bad.
0: So <laughs> when bad, it comes, at man, I have seen you do some crazy maths when it comes to Harlequin. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, like you do maths. As like soon as you, add, yeah, but I mean, that's like as soon like you. I, don't, I mean, you're definitely not bad at maths, but like for someone you're bad at math, you give you a carp number that's got to equal x amount of insulin, and it's just like oh yeah he needs this much i'm like what uh-huh yeah, yeah it's incredible to watch. Yeah, i just like yeah but that's
1: because that scary mask Because if i fuck it up like you know it could hurt my child <laughs> um <laughs> obviously i don't want to do that my brain's like oh don't fuck that up Mm-mm, not that one come on <laughs> do um do proper mess um but yeah it took a little bit to wrap my head around because I was like, holy shit, like my already complicated life just became even more complicated. All right. Um, (laughs) Yeah. As weird as that probably sounds, I don't want people to think that I have like this. I'm not ignorant to my life. Definitely not. I just This is just how I am as a human being. Things either turn people into a negative person or, or they tell them into a positive person. And I just chose to, to roll with it. Um, And i got good kids and good partner, so why not? And good family at the end of the day. Um, And, yeah, so I learnt how to do it all. And then, yeah, we just started living life. And now Harley's going into grade three. Meso's going to high school, which is really scary Mm -hmm. because I went to high school. And he is (laughs) kind of me except way nicer. Meso. A a non
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> He has a non-traumatic childhood, so we did good. You um, know, I think he'll be fine. He's doing all right. Uh, but no, he will. They're be amazing little human beings, and I will forever be thankful for them. They quite literally saved my life. I would not hand on heart still be here if it wasn't for my kids, hundred and ten percent. Or my husband. Yeah. Well, basically, husband. We've been together for a really long time, so yeah. we're basically married.
0: Um, (laughs) on that note, on that note though, Ash, and on that comment, I want you to explain yourself a little bit there because that, that's a comment. a very true comment. Um, and I know that having spoken to you before that there was, as long as you're comfortable talking about this, that back in 2018 or 2019, one of the two, there wasn't, there was a time when those childhood traumas got too much and things got too much. And I just want to know if you can... Yeah. Um. Or if you're comfortable sharing, what it was that happened and what led to that. So unfortunately,
1: um, not picking on you, but the, we got the date wrong. Um, it happened in more like twenty. Yeah, it's
0: okay.
1: <laughs> it Where matter. you said 2018, 19? Exactly.
0: Anyway, I I'm really on my notes up I probably, today. Am I? Uh, yeah, that's, I'm going to blame it, you. Obviously. I got it from your notes. <laughs> Probably was me. Anyway, oh, uh, sure. it, it was check more than that. put in the show notes. Ash put in 2018. <laughs> anyway, that makes more sense anyway because that means that this occurred before yeah. the boys came around. So it actually makes more sense to me that it he is 2010 it. Uh, before Mason was born. But yeah. anyway, regardless of dates because we're allowed yes. to fuck those up, Explain what happened because that was yes. that was something that I think is important in your story.
1: Um, so basically I had been out of foster care for, I don't know, I think for around a year. So Bea, um, I actually stayed with her for a little bit after I turned 18. I moved to Brisbane to live with friends and then moved back to Gundawindi. I worked on a farm out near Boomer for a while with uh, my then partner at the time, Um, and obviously we ended so I moved into Gundy and I was living with a mate and there was a lot going on that I was just very much in denial about like I was like nah you're right keep doing what you're doing like I was more just focused on surviving because when you get out of foster care you feel like your whole world is just gone you have nothing it's pretty much you're 18 yep see you later thanks sorry Yeah. go work that out (laughs) Yeah, 13th. it's
0: kind of like yeah. you just got kind of a discharge from us, um, all- like, yep, we've done our part, see you later. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. it's essentially what it feels like, um, so yeah, I felt very much alone in the world, obviously I did have some mental health issues that then stemmed from that, and obviously you can't go through what I went through as a child without being a little bit fucked up, and at that point in time, I was a lot fucked mm-hmm. up, I was just yeah. very much in denial about it, Um, So I was drinking heavily. I was going out all the time. I didn't really care how I spoke to people, how I dressed, how I acted. Like I never did anything super dangerous or anything like that. Um, Never physically hurt anyone. Um, Everything was just just more towards myself. Yeah. Basically, yeah. The whole world had kind of stopped for me and I was like, well, fuck it. Um, (laughs) Obviously... Thank God that didn't go the way that it could have gone. Um, Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today talking about it. So there's that. Um, So yeah, basically, I had been going to doctors and you know going all appointments and stuff, being on medication on and off. I didn't like how the medication made me feel. I felt like I wasn't myself. But then in saying that at that time, I wasn't aware of the fact that I didn't even know who I was. Like, I didn't know not fully who I was until I had my kids like 110%. I was kind of just a little lost cause who everyone kind of looked at sometimes and went, you know, she's a bit odd, but that's all right because she smiles all the time. Um, (laughs) You know, which is fine. Like I wasn't very open about it. Um, I do. I smile a lot. Um, And, yeah, I had been doing this for months. It was kind of a process. Uh, Me and Ashley were newly together. And basically, I saw how much someone was capable of loving me, and I hit a wall a very, very horrible wall. Um, so I tried to end my own life in my friend's bathtub. Unfortunately, uh, um, it didn't work, obviously. Thank god. Um, her oh, mum absolutely tore because- me a new one. <laughs> I think it was just a build-up of everything. Like, I think I just hit a point where I was just so done and I was so done trying. And I was in the stage where I thought, like, you know, for this to have happened and the severity that happened and also to have happened to my siblings and for them to be so young and for shit in foster care to have been so fucked up and then out of foster care so fucked up, like, I was just in that stage of what is the fucking point? Like, yeah yeah like I was literally at this stage and the mentality of this world is better off without me in it, because what's the fucking point? And it was horrible. Like it was a horrible time, and I'm not laughing about it because it's funny. Um, no, no. And I yeah, I was that. done. I was completely one thousand and ten percent done. I laid in the bathtub with every intention of committing suicide, one hundred and ten percent I was not I was not coming back from it. I didn't want to come back from it. I was completely done. Um, So basically I self-harmed. And then, I don't know, something kind of twigged in my brain. And all I remember thinking was, do you even really want to die? Like, do you really want to die or are you just hurting? And then all of a sudden, you know, broke down in tears, went through the motions, um, grabbed my friend, grabbed Ashley, you know, obviously, got myself sorted, got the help that I needed, but it was a massive process. It's something that will stay with me forever. I will never, ever, no matter what, I don't care what it takes to never, ever, ever get that low again, ever in my life.
0: Wow. Yeah, it was and did it was horrible. did did someone find you and like and stop you, or was it a moment of clarity in that bathtub that sort of that you stopped think- your, like self from going through with it?
1: Um, so I'd already semi-hurt myself, like, to the point where obviously you could tell that there was signs of self-harm and that I clearly needed mental help, um, which is okay. It happens. Um, there's no shame in it. There's no shame in getting help for it either. Even if you feel like you're helpless, I can hand on heart promise you, you are not. Um, even when it gets that dark, you don't think there's a way out of it. There is. You've just got to figure out what it is and what works for you. Um... But basically, yeah, the signs of self-harm were there. I had a conversation with my friend's mum. She told me a new arsehole. Um, so thanks for that. <laughs> at the time, I was pretty peeved about it. But as I got that little bit older, I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, um, because unfortunately at the time, my friend had a little boy and he was living in the place where we were living, obviously. Not something you think of when you're in that headspace, which is completely understandable. When you're out of that, you're going to think of it. Um, and yeah, her mom absolutely told me a new one, was like, we're going to get you help, like you're not alone. Um, and yeah, everything sort of just kicked off from there and I got myself sorted, kind of, it was a very slow process. It didn't happen all at once. It's, um, you know, I'll never be fully fixed. There is no fixing a lifetime of hurt. You kind of just find healthier and better ways to deal with it. And sometimes it'll hurt. Sometimes you'll have a cry,
0: but it's a part of it, and that's okay. Wow. So Ash, you've been through a lot in your life. Like you have come from yes, I have <laughs> the childhood that you were that you had. You have come through the foster care system. You have lived through. Um, a a suicide attempt you have birthed two beautiful children you are now also been dealt the card of type 1 diabetes and navigating that and you do that with your eyes closed really like i i I know how hard and how much you and your family struggle with that because i know there's a lot of late nights there's a lot of alarms there's a lot of phone calls to the school a lot of schools calling you all that sort of stuff um but there's also one more thing that happened that I want you to tell people about because I think it sort of closes off your story a little bit. What happened two years ago?
1: Two years ago. I'm gonna have to check my notes now because I forgot. <laughs> Three years ago.
0: We've blocked this one. Now. Read. I know I, I didn't mess have. up this timeline, guys. Your mom No, mum. this one is probably Oh, right.
1: Right. Yeah, okay, yeah, definitely block that one.
0: That one, um, you like, blocked that one out. <laughs> I was like, I promise no. I didn't get this timeline wrong.
1: No, Maddie did not. This one is correct. You are <laughs> accurately correct. So two years ago, I unfortunately found out through TikTok, also my siblings found out the same way, which was pretty rough, um, that our biological mother had kicked the bucket. She had died. We found out Mm -hmm. on social media. Um, Our sister, uh, who we don't have contact with for various reasons, Um, we just have different directions in life, we wish her nothing but happiness and health and all that jazz. There's no bad blood there. Um, But she had posted a video basically saying that Michelle had passed away. And, yeah, we found out... the hard way, I, me and my brothers kind of called each other and were like, Well, what the hell? Like, you know, is this real? Is she actually gone? Um, we then checked to see, obviously, if our father was still alive. He's very much still alive, he's even still alive to this day. Um, <laughs> he's just, you know, nowhere near us, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it kicked a lot of things off, a lot of feelings. Not just for me, but for my siblings as well. Um, on the day where we found out, we all kind of just did what we usually do, which is brush things off and be like, yeah, nah, she'll be right. Um, I had a few beers. Yeah. I was at my best friend's house when I found out. Um, so, you know, we kind of just turned it into a NARVO. had a few beers and went through the day. Um, you know, me and the boys chatted about it, had a bit of yarn and went, oh, well, you know, she's dead, which probably sounds really rough. Um, but that's unfortunately how we felt about it. Like there was no love there, which is kind of hard to explain to people. Like we fully yeah. understand that she was our biological mum. She was the one who brought us into the world and we are thankful for that and especially for the lives we now get to experience, but that doesn't mean that you can just excuse years of abuse and pretend it never happened. No, it definitely not. Um, Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, for me that, that set off a very – unfortunately, dramatic spiral again, but it was different from the last time because not automatically, I kind of went through the motions for a little bit. Um, Obviously, no harm came to anyone else. Um, No severe harm came to me either. Um, I more just let my health health slip, my physical health, my mental health, or that jazz kind of went down the shitter. Um, and I was running on autopilot mm-hmm. instead of just admitting that, you know, hey, girlfriend, your um, your mum died and it's okay if that hurts. Like,
0: that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, kind of fucked myself it's allowed over. To hurt, <laughs> even though, yeah, yeah. It's allowed to hurt even yeah. though you didn't love her in the sense of, like, how a mother and daughter love each other. Yeah. It hurt more in the sense that I think for you that now I'm never going to get the fucking answers that I wanted because now you can't answer yeah, all those I questions. Think- Exactly. Like there was and doors the fact that were that, shut on you rather than you getting closure first.
1: Yeah. And that's what, like, you know, and not even just for me, for the boys as well, you know, they yeah. deserved an answer. And like I said, I had tried, um, you know, I was the one that wasn't afraid to ask questions. I was the one that would send messages, like fully having a go at them, did not care, could not have <laughs> cared less what they had to say or what they were going to do, just did not give a shit. Yeah. Um. Still, still don't. <laughs> to be honest still don't um and yet more answers for them like I think that's what hit hardest the most and the fact that she was gone that was massive and it definitely made me personally feel a way that I didn't I don't think I was ever prepared to feel that way about it like I didn't think I'd cry I didn't think it'd hurt like I was like no fuck the world fuck her like you know it's me and my family it's the world and we just got to do what we got to do um, but it did, it yeah. sucked and it was horrible. Um, and yeah, I lost a lot of weight, <laughs> like a fuck load of weight. Mm-hmm. I lived off Red Bull there for quite a while, which you already know, cause that's when I, um, pretty much messaged mm-hmm. you one day and bloated <laughs> out my entire
0: life. <laughs> you did. I got a random him message him. from, <laughs> I got this random message from Ash Hippie on, on, um, I think it was Facebook. And I just got yep. the very broad story of where you're at and what had happened, well, some what have ha- what had happened, or not this whole story, obviously. didn't get that right at the start, but why you were mm-hmm. so um, unwell. I think you came to me at like about 45 or less kilos, didn't you? Like you are quite, I can't yep. remember exactly something, what weight we managed. You are probably one of the only people that's ever messaged me and said, I need you to help me gain 10 to 15 kilos. I was like, this is exciting. I get to work with someone that doesn't want to get skinny up. Yes. Um, and it was the best step. Like that the first time I met you, I was like, I was intimidated. I was like, who is this cool person with this like long fucking cool like hair and shit? She's got tattoos everywhere. I mean, I don't got tattoos, but yours are cooler than mine. Um, and then we just like hit it off and you've just like, and you've just come in leaps and bounds. Like I've seen some of the stuff you've had to go through and I've, you know, we've had in it like, like a lot of conversations I've seen you Get to the gym and not get to the gym. I've seen you, you know. I've seen you, you know, go from living on cigarettes and Red Bull and just literally being like autopilot, mum mode, work mode, you know, partner mode, and then like diabetes mode, you know. And diabetes mode kind of rules a lot of that, you know, because it's it's so demanding. But you know, like I watched you just run an yeah. autopilot to now watch you fuel your body so much better, and you've you know gained the weight. And now you're a lot healthier and stronger and all that stuff, and. Now, Ash, where are you? Like, where are you right now in life? Uh, Like, from what perspective,
1: like, where do you feel like you are? I don't know. Um, I'm definitely at a a lot better place than I think I've ever been. There was never really, you know, looking back, I never thought there'd be a time where I would openly speak about my experiences. Like, people know. So people have always been aware. Um, that we were fostered, uh, briefly aware of circumstances, stuff like that, but never. no one's ever actually known. Um, there's only like close yeah. friends, family, um, you know, my bunch of degenerates that I consider family, which is <laughs> a lot. There's so many people. Um, but just, you know, <laughs> basically anyone that's shown me love and, you know, kindness, and I just reciprocate that, and, you know, the vibes are just good, and I'm like, you know what, we'll be right. Um but, yeah, I'm definitely at a stage that I never thought I would be, like, ever. I never thought I would be comfortable enough to talk about it. Um, you know, will yeah. I go through the whole day without probably having a theory? Maybe not. Who knows? But if I do, that's okay. Um, yep. Yeah. That's
0: right. but that is I'm totally good. fine. Today's conversation wasn't quite as heavy as the last one. We covered a lot of the heavy, heavy stuff last no. in the first episode. Tried to keep this one a little this bit lighter. a lot more spot. positive. Yeah. yeah, but I feel yes, like it's when it, you, obviously. Like, once you get through the middle part, um,
1: you know, and I look at my life in sections, like the childhood's very blurry. It was just a lot of violence and a lot of absolute shit. Um, You yeah. know, then being fostered, that was kind of mediumly good, mediumly shit, you know, figuring it out, doing what I had to do. And then out of it, getting through what I had to, and then now like working, being a mum, doing everything that I managed to do without losing me absolute nanas. Um, I like to mm-hmm. tell people you can't lose what you've already lost. <laughs> and if I, if I can't fix it with um, a coffee, I'm probably not trying. That much. Um, But no, I'm, I'm good. And I say that a lot to people. And sometimes I do worry if people don't believe me when I say it. But, you know, I used to say it all the time, Um, especially when I was younger. Yeah. That's all you get was, I'm good. Like, and I've carried that on to being an adult, but I don't know. I just am. I'm just little old me and I'm happy with where I'm at and life's pretty cruisy. I'm surrounded by beautiful, amazing people that show me nothing but love, kindness and support. I've got a good job. I have Mm -hmm. an amazing partner. I've got the world's craziest, most insane, beautiful little human beings and I get to be their mum and I get to provide them with a childhood they don't have to recover from. Which is yeah, I love fucking that. Epic. It's so good.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. And Ash, if there's someone listening to these episodes that is yeah. currently in the foster system or um, yeah. in an environment where they're being inflicted with some sort of trauma or abuse. Have you got any words for them, anything that maybe your younger self would have found helpful to just get you through that moment or just anything that might brighten their day for a moment? Um, I think probably the
1: biggest one that took me a long time to be okay with is you don't have to understand the circumstances But the easiest Mm -hmm. thing, and it's more just the kindness to yourself, is just stop trying to find an answer. You're going to do more harm to yourself than you are good. And nine times out of ten, you're not going to realize until the damage is done and it's too late. And then you just put yourself through hurt again. Sometimes there isn't an answer and that's okay. Um, You know, which is easier said than done. Um, The other thing would be to, you know, remind anyone in similar or anything that anyone relates to that's, you know, I've covered or about my life in regards to my life. Um, You're not alone. Even when you feel like you're alone, even when you feel that no one else feels how you feel or knows what you're going through, you are more than definitely not alone. It's going to feel like it. You're going to hate it. You're going to go fuck the world and, you know, do what you got to do. And that's okay. You have to go through those motions to get to the good place. And even when it feels like you won't make it, which it did for so long, um, I can hand on heart yeah. assure you that you will. They're like, I am living proof that you, you can make it. It just takes a lot of work and you've got to be willing to do it. You've got to be willing to, Not so much allow people in. You can't just go and give someone your whole trust and your whole world. There's still things that I keep to myself. There's still things that I don't discuss with anyone. Um, You know, you're allowed to have that little bit of a guard up and that's okay. But if you need help, ask for it. Don't continue to punish yourself for something that wasn't your fault. um, And don't continue that cycle of abuse because not getting yourself help, you're just abusing yourself you just don't see it that way because your brain won't let you Um, Yeah. And foster care is not forever and it's okay if it sucks (laughs) and it's okay (laughs) if you don't feel, it's okay if you don't feel like family to those people that you're with, Um, even if they, you know, you can be put in the most loving foster homes in the world um, and you are going to feel that difference. And it's not really a difference that a lot of people talk about, like you, you know the difference, especially when those people have biological children in their homes of their own which obviously people have families and they're still carers, fully understand that. Um, but it can lead to mm-hmm. a feeling of, you know, loneliness because you can see the difference. You feel the difference whether it's mentioned or not. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, when and you, you get through the scare and make it out on the other side, yep, and when you get through it and you make it out on the other side, just know that you will be okay. No matter how long it takes, no matter what you have to do, do it. Like even if it sucks, even if you don't want to, even if, <laughs> even if you want to head but a wall, it's okay. Do all those things <laughs> but prioritize, prioritize yourself too because otherwise in the long run you just suffer and you just continue to suffer and the cycle never ends. You are capable of breaking it even if you feel like you never will because you can. Yeah. You literally can. You can. It's doable. It just hurts a bit first. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. That's probably all well, my wisdom, thank you I very think. much, Ash. <laughs> thank you very much, Ash, for taking the time to do these episodes with me. I think that you have such a story of resilience um, that I think a lot of people will take um, on board and that I think a lot of people can learn a lot from because I think we live in a day and age where everyone feels like poor me and, you know, I don't think a lot of people have actually experienced yeah. anything anything enough in their life where they've actually had to come out of something like this. So to actually see and hear from someone that's been through real trauma and and like something as powerful as this and as as terrible as this. We've come out the other side. I think a lot of yeah. people will will really get a lot from it. And anyone that's suffering in those circumstances will see you as a major beacon of hope. Like not only have you beaten it, your all your siblings are still alive. You're still alive. Um, you're, you have beautiful children. Yep. You now have a family of your own, a car of your own. I forgot to mention, a brand new car yeah. we just got this year. <laughs> um you know, I just think that yep. I, I feel very lucky. I know that this is something we discussed for a long time before you're finally comfortable doing it, and I feel very privileged you have been the first person yep. um, to be able to broadcast your story to my audience. So I thank you very much, Ash, um, for your time.
1: That's okay.